You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the trailers, box art, and behind the scenes. And this week in our final Stephen King video, we have Christine. She is seductive. She is passionate. She is Christine. A 1958 Plymouth Fury with a taste for blood. Nothing you can do can stop her. Because how do you kill something that can't possibly be alive? Christine. Body by Plymouth. Soul by Satan. Rated R. Watch out for her soon at a theater near you. Now, Matt, Christine, was this one near and dear to your heart? It was sort of. So my my story was more, I always knew it existed because I was a big Stephen King fan uh, growing up. Watched as many movies as I could, but I didn't actually end up seeing this one until like I was a teenager. So I didn't like I saw a lot of like the Pet Cemeteries and The Shining. I saw this as like a kid. I didn't see this one until I was a teenager, and I do remember the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, I like this movie, but I don't like it as much as those other ones. But over time, this one has definitely grown on me, and like weirdly now, I feel like it's the one I've seen the most. <laughs> Yeah, this is one I I saw as a kid, and I got in trouble. Now, last week I mentioned that I had gotten in trouble for seeing this, and it's really not me that got in trouble for it. It's my grandpa. I saw this for the first time when my grandma had to go to church on Thursday night, so grandpa was watching me, and he's like, ooh, do you want to watch a scary movie? And me being like eight, and I'm like, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I do. And I remembered the double feature. It was The Blob and Christine. The 80s Blob? Yes. Nice. The remake. So I, I bet this was probably like 91, 92 on syndication on like TNT or whatever. God, if you put those two in a theater back to back, you'd sell out. It's yeah. like instant sell out now. <laughs> yeah, and it was, uh, I remember my grandma came in at the very end where he was, well, maybe not the very end, but close to the end where he's, uh, the car is going after the fat bully. Mm-hmm. And my grandma got pissed that <laughs> he was letting me watch that. It's kind of a soft R, but it is definitely an R-rated movie. <laughs> it is definitely not for kids. <laughs> well, it's a good thing she didn't walk in on me watch. You know, us watching the Blob. She would have flipped her lid. Yeah, especially when that kid dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, grandma! What a divorce! <laughs> But uh, let's get into the quick facts on this. So, directed by some guy named John Carpenter. Never heard of him. Probably the reason I've seen this so many yeah. times since. <laughs> uh, now, what's interesting on this is John Carpenter's name is on top of Christine, not Stephen King's like all the others. Yeah, I think John Carpenter probably just had so much clout at this point that he could pull that. And I'm sure Stephen King, being a fan, was like, yeah, you can have the above the credit here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much the Christine uh, novel was beloved. I don't know much about it. This seems more like one that was like, 
adapt any Stephen King you possibly can to turn it into a movie. But like the fact that John Carpenter slid in there, it was like, ooh, now this just got interesting. Yeah, and the screenplay, well, obviously the story was, you know, written by Stephen King, but the screenplay was by Bill Phillips. And I looked at his IMDb and I don't see much. He does a lot of TV stuff. So I'm wondering how the hell he got to do this. Yeah, maybe it was just a job. It could be because this was just a job for John Carpenter. That's kind of how he ebbs and flows in his career, taking just jobs. But then he makes some fucking classics, which to to a degree, this might be like a soft Carpenter classic, but this is a classic. I think people look back on this one pretty fondly. I think they do too. It's not one that like instantly comes to mind when you think of Stephen King or right. even John Carpenter, but it kind of has what we had last week in Salem's Lot. There's a lot of respect for this. Yes, people really just light up when Christine does come up. You know, it's yes. not one that comes up all the time. If you're talking about Carpenter, it's usually the thing, Escape from New York, Halloween. But and you didn't mention They Live. They you Live. You son of Those a are the ones that come up first. Christine doesn't come up till later, but when Christine does come up, people are pretty excited about it. And it is it's heavy rotation on TV. It screens sometimes, especially in the city here. People, people watch this movie. Well, it's killer cars. It's just something about, like, where inanimate objects come to life. There's something goofy and campy about it that's fun. Yeah, the, talk about just, like, the perfect combination of Carpenter and King here. The rock and roll, the 50s. Like, this was a, this was a dream project for them to team up together on. Yeah, and I bet they had a lot of fun picking the soundtrack for this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome, too. Yeah. So the stars of this, the cast, real quick. Keith Gordon, I, I, I know I've seen his face, but I cannot recall what he's from. He's he's directing a lot now, too. That's like... Well, actually, it's funny. Probably because they worked with Carpenter, you know, the greatest. Both uh, Keith Gordon and uh, John Stockwell are both directors now. No kidding. Yeah, I think I think Keith does a lot more kids' movies. I think, if I'm correct, uh, no, I'm looking and seeing that he's directing episodes of Fargo, the Ooh. TV series. So maybe not so much kids stuff. Maybe he did a kids movie somewhere along the way. Yeah, it looks like he's doing a lot of TV these days. And Stockwell... Well, it's good TV, though. He did Leftovers, which I'm not a huge fan of that show past the first season, but it's very well done. And we have Fargo, which everyone tells me is really well done it's fucking awesome yeah i've watched the first two seasons it is wonderful i mean good for him and now john stockwell is i don't i mean blue crush into the uh, blue teristas he's been directing some just like schlocky summer movies (laughs) yeah good for him (laughs) i mean he's making money i'm sure so and i'm sure he's having fun doing these movies going to these exotic locations with beautiful people Uh, (laughs) right now his uh imdb picture it looks like he has little tiny puka shells on Uh, i wouldn't have it any other way (laughs) yeah so that man uh he definitely did blue crush did a TV movie called Breastman. Breastman. Well, he's mm. in it. You've got oh, an actor pulled up for oh, him. Oh, I got yeah. an actor. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Well, still. I mean, <laughs> he was in Top Gun. He must have been like one of the side guys. I don't know. Yeah. yeah who cares? I don't remember. Moving on to the last one, Alexandria Paul. And she was in a earlier movie of ours, Barely, in American Nightmare. Yes. Yes. And, and 
for her, she actually kept her top on in this movie. So yeah, she was super naked in that movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, everybody was, was super yeah. naked in that movie. <laughs> she was in the very gross beginning. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. So this was this is how she learned how to act on Baywatch. Oh, nice. And uh, she was kind of rough to watch in parts of this movie. Really? Very I, TV. I had no problem with her in this uh, movie. I, there's a couple scenes I was like, yeah, this is TV movie. Because like, it didn't seem like she had a lot of emotional range. She mm. was just like, what's wrong with you? This car's alive. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, acting. Uh, it was fun. I mean, she wasn't terrible. It wasn't like I was smacking my forehead. <laughs> well, she's got great eyes, which, should, which will lead me segue into the cover of this movie the, the one we're watching here wow nicely done i've been doing this a little while now <laughs> <laughs> if you're a collector of the vhs's you know there's about a hundred christine vhs's and i've watched two of them i've watched the old rca columbia one which has like the red and black sidebar that all of the rca columbia has and it's that one's just the poster that one's just the car but there was the later Sony uh, re-release that is making the rounds. It, it's probably the one you'd find at the thrift store mm-hmm. now if you were to go. And it is the one with her eyes in the, like the rear view mirror and then the car coming towards it with like this icy blue mm-hmm. over it. Uh, this is a cover from 1999. Like I said, this is the one you're going to see if you go to the thrift store more likely. The other one is not rare either, though. So you actually might bump into either of them, but I feel like this one a little bit more. On the top of our cover here, it just says, From the director of Halloween and Vampires. And I know it says Vampires because it was a Sony movie that came out the yeah. same year that this mm-hmm. got re-released. Because so. uh, not many people are advertising that he had vampires on his uh, IMDb list. Right, right. It's not one that he's super passionate about or at anything. least it's not ghost to mars yeah, at least it's not ghost to mars which sony did put out like two years later so <laughs> yes from the director of halloween and vampires john carpenter's christine a richard corbett's production and it's carpenter's best since halloween time magazine oh, that's a review wow that's a real that's a real publication there guys yeah i i, I like this blue cover i like this cover better than the rca one Actually, yeah. which usually the re-releases are kind of lame. This one's a good one. Yeah, this one, they were trying. But I, I believe they were trying because this movie will sell. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, if I had never heard of this movie ever and I saw this cover, I'd be like, mine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Flipping it over here, we've got a couple stills. We've got uh, Keith Gordon and Alexandra Paul getting cozy in a, in the car We've got the three of Harry Dean Stanton, who is fucking wonderful in this movie, uh, Alexandra Paul and John Stockwell, and then the big still, which is, I think, the still they use for everything for this movie is the car coming down the alley chasing the chubby kid. Yep. That is the still that is everywhere. Our other review is An Exceptional Moment in Carpenter's Career, Video Watchdog. Video Watchdog's a great one to read if you guys want to read, like, good horror reviews like not like the shit that's all over the internet mm-hmm. you know like my reviews <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering if you were gonna <laughs> of course i'm gonna dig on myself yep. uh video watchdog is fucking awesome i definitely recommend them and they said it's an exceptional moment in carpenter's career so they liked it here's our description for the four of you that may not know what this is about she was born in detroit on an automobile assembly line but she is no ordinary automobile 
deep within her chassis, chassis, right? That's how you say chassis. <laughs> yeah, chassis. Lives an unholy presence. She is Christine, a red and white 1958 Plymouth Fury whose unique standard equipment includes an evil, indestructible vengeance that will destroy anyone in her way. She seduces 17-year-old Arnie Cunningham, Keith Gordon, who becomes consumed with passion for her sleek, rounded, chrome-laden body. She demands his complete and un- unquestioned devotion. When, she, when outsiders seek to interfere, they become victims of Christine's horrifying wrath. John Carpenter brings Stephen King's best-selling novel to life in this chilling thriller. Yep, I'd rent that. Yeah, down, sold. Give me a copy. Oh, I just turned it over to the side, and the side is the still of the yep. chubby kid running. <laughs> Let's never learn that chubby kid's name either. He's just going to be chubby kid. Yeah, unfortunate chubby kid. But I'll make fun of him. Like, Don't make fun of chubby kids, guys, but make fun of this guy because he's an asshole. So. Uh, I was a chubby kid. you got to make fun of him. <laughs> well, I mean, because he's an asshole. Yeah, he's an asshole. Not all chubby kids. This chubby kid. This chubby kid yes. is an asshole. If kid's an asshole, he's an asshole. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. So let's pop this baby in because we get no trailers. Boo. All four movies this month. Boo. Yeah, weird. Uh, but, you know, you jump right into the Stephen King. And now, our feature presentation. That's right. And we get bad to the bone. The assembly line scene is awesome. Yeah. Talk about just throwing you into the movie. Now, and this was before this song was just beat to death. Before the Terminator movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whoever, I forget who wrote this. It's, um... Thurgood? George Thurgood? Yeah, George Thurgood. Man, they make a lot of money off this song. Yeah, especially from this period through the 90s. They were so just... Much. Uh, they were even in the Chipmunk movies. Oh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Why well, I they... mean, at that point... If I'm them, I'm taking that money, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll take everyone's money. Uh, I would, if I had a hit on my hands, whether it's a song Sell or a out. movie, doesn't fucking matter. I'm selling out so quick, you won't even see me. Like, I'm like the roadrunner. I'm just gone. <laughs> Make your money, kids. Yeah. Make your money. <laughs> Always say yes. <laughs> uh, so we start in 1958 with Bed of the Bone playing while the car is going through the assembly line. And immediately we get someone's hand smashed in the hood, and then we get a dead body in the car because he ashed on Christine. Yeah, I love this scene. And just talk about the this even even on the VHS where it's the pan and scan, Carpenter just at the top of his game right after the thing with that like awesome anamorphic widescreen, even though it's smashed down the pan and scan. The confidence in how good this movie looks from the get go. Yes. Like, if I saw this in theaters for the first time, I'd be like, fuck, I'm watching a real movie. <laughs> and then we move straight on to 1978, Rock Bridge, California. I was like, oh, they got rock in the name. Yeah. Because this movie rocks. And they couldn't probably get Castle Rock. They were like, Car- or Carpenter was like, we're doing California. That's my spot. Yeah. <laughs> we meet nerdy Arnie. Uh, we know he's nerdy because he has glasses. Yeah. And he fumbles around talking to girls. But he's friends with the jock, John Sockwell. Friendly jock, as I call him. Yeah, nice guy jock. They probably grew up together. Mm -hmm. And uh, we find that the mom is mad because uh, I guess he's taking shop class. And I, why would you be mad about that? The 80s. I don't know. know. (laughs) (laughs) But they're trying to, like, 
set her up as an overbearing mom. Yes. And it sort of kind of works. It's almost like Carpenter just got kind of bored with it throughout the film. He's like, yeah, whatever. Because it, it is dropped. Yeah. You know, it's basically. like they're concerned about Arnie as he gets the car and he's working on it all the time and it's like basically possessing him. But once like the shit really hits the fan and the murders start happening, we don't we don't follow back no. up with the parents. That's just dropped. And it's fine because I don't care. Well, one th- yeah, exactly. Because then we get on to all so many wonderful quotes in this film they're like number one it starts off with he's talking about arnie we got to get you laid and he starts talking about all these girls he could you know possibly get laid with and then he's like i'm not going down on her you know she doesn't shave and he says what do you care if you get a little hair in your mouth (laughs) i'm like 80s i love you i love how just inappropriate you know inappropriate you are and yeah. i just want to hug you because you're just so gross yeah uh like uh, dogs chasing the cat <laughs> <laughs> uh at school we meet kelly presley for are you a talking second. about what's happening in the room or what the quote is all about? hey now i can't cut that <laughs> <laughs> we get to meet kelly presley for a second Yes, Kelly Preston is in this movie, and she is just as stunning as ever, but, like, just shows up for a second. Yeah, and then bye, Kelly. Yeah. Because we got to move on to the new girl, uh, and the new girl's name is Lee, and Lee. She not, not only is Lee pretty, but she's smart. She's the 80s dream girl. That's right. I she, mean, she sort of, like, uh, reminds me of, but totally, it, it's different, but reminds me of the girl from Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. 80s, 80s perfect dream girl. Yeah. I mean, the girl next door, she's super smart, super pretty. Yeah, super smart, super pretty, super nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So she's the perfect she's the perfect Reagan girl. Yeah. Yep. That's who we're, we're still looking for that, Matt. Where are we going to find our... I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's back to the they live, uh, consume, reproduce. Yes. <laughs> Ever tell you about the time I put that picture on my facebook post Mm -mm. and people thought it was like a real like i was taking a picture of a real advertisement oh and they're like where is that i'm like oh come on people (laughs) Uh, it's everywhere yeah it's everywhere that's where it is (laughs) put on Uh, the glasses man again we get a great quote right away with man she she might have a brain of a i don't know what they say but eventually he says but she's got a body of a slut and i was like 80s 80s gross yeah hilarious because i cracked up i'm like god they're just really hitting it hard yeah with like what year this is but like testament to the filmmakers here writer and director carpenter these guys are still likable (laughs) like you're you are bummed when arnie starts to get possessed and like when dennis is you know kind of bummed about him getting possessed possessed and gets injured and everything like that you feel for dennis too you like these characters i do and i also will say something that like high school boys say fucked up shit and this doesn't sound like anything different that they would be saying now is it inappropriate yes but i was in a locker room i heard inappropriate things it was mostly words you know most of us wouldn't do shit but we would say stuff where you're like oh we shouldn't say that that's why it's funny well yeah you want to gross each other out yeah. really that's what it is the yeah. topping of each other yeah it's like what's the grossest fucking possible thing that i could say and then yeah. when the girl would walk by you would shut the fuck up yeah or, yeah you <laughs> would be you like because you, you were a little worm and you would just be like i can't even look at her in the eyes and say anything yeah 
That's, uh, that's just the way it was, unfortunately. And then Arnie gets picked on by a 30-year-old in shop named Buddy. Yeah. <laughs> this guy is so old. <laughs> yeah, this, it's the kid that doesn't graduate because he's such an idiot. And uh, the, the ultimate 80s bully character again here. First of all, he has a switchblade in school. He, they call him a chicken shit for having a switchblade. But, you know, he's getting in Arnie's face, smashing his food. Like, I don't understand what Arnie did other than, hey, it's an 80s movie. It's an 80s movie and he's a fucking nerd. We got to beat him up. He calls, he tells him to shut up, you cunt face. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> That's fine in the UK, but you can't say cunt in America. Yeah. Everyone will look at you funny. Yeah. That, that's how you know. That's how you know you're dealing with a, a grade A bully here. That's right. I, I feel bad for saying it for this movie, but I have to. I say cunt sometimes, but usually it's referencing Republicans. So. Oh, I knew you were going there. I fucking knew. <laughs> usually, <laughs> it always is. <laughs> uh, and then Jesus, he threatens the teacher. And he just gets suspended for a day. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, that's all. It, but like... I feel like they don't know what to do with this kid because they're like, if we kick him out of school, he's just going to go to jail. Yeah. So like, they're like, we got to like suspend him or put him in detention or something. But like, we got to keep a short leash on this kid because this kid's destined to like, you know, kill somebody and end up in jail. And then right before he leaves, he goes, I'm going to get you Cuntingham. And I'm like, whoa, did he call him Cunt? <laughs> like, Jesus. I, the first time I saw this when I was like a teenager, I, I was like the right age to see this at. I remember laughing so hard at that. Like that was the pinnacle of comedy when I was 13, that his name was Cunningham and he called him Cuntingham. Yeah. And I was like, genius. <laughs> uh, luckily, the next scene is we get introduced to the car really fast. And because they're driving home, Arnie and uh, Dennis. What, Dennis, uh, super nice jock. And Arnie spots that car from like 50 yards away and is just like, I must have that. Yeah, he falls under Christine's spell. He's got to talk the owner into getting it. The owner is like, it's a junker, but I want, you know, $200 or whatever for it or $300. A lot for 80s time. And uh, he's doing it. He wants it. He has to have it. He has to have this car. Yeah, and the, the weird, creepy old guy who I don't know what the hell he's wearing, but it's ridiculous. Talk Like, we've talked about it in every episode this month, but talk about the character ripped right out of a Stephen King novel. Yeah, completely. I mean, we even have the old man in Children of the Corn. Yeah, yeah like so. the creepy old man that knows more than he's letting on that's going to tell the horrifying story later. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just so Stephen King right here. And then, of course, he has to have an inappropriate line. My asshole brother bought her back in September, 57. That's when you got your new model year in September. Brand new she was. She had the smell of a brand new car. That's just about the finest smell in the world. Except maybe for pussy. When he got her, she had six miles on the odometer. Goddamn rolling went through hell and back with Christine. Your brother loves this car so much. Why is he selling it? Because he's stone cold dead, that's why. Because he's like, they are smelling the car, and he goes, there's, there's no smell like a brand new car. Well, 
Except for pussy. And I was like, oh. <laughs> the hits just keep on coming <laughs> in this movie. And he gets that car and his mom fucking hates it. Even though this boy is showing responsibility. He is buying the car and rebuilding the car. I mean, this is what you're supposed to do. He's a good kid and they're all like shitting on him. Like his friend Dennis is like, what are you doing buying this piece of shit? And then his dad's like, well... Uh, do what your mother says, and your mother, and she's just like, Arnie, you're a fucking, I hate you. Yeah, it's all about, like, grades, I think, for the parents, and they're like, oh, he's going to be distracted from his his academic studies, which is another, like, 80s trope, but, like, well, maybe the he studies, wants to be a mechanic. The studies have to come first, and not the, not the labor. It's all about the A's and the B's in the classes. Yeah, they must have told this actress playing the mom, they're like, just be awful. Dial it to 11, because, yeah. yeah, she's just, like, screaming at him. Uh, then we see him in the uh, mechanic shop, Will's mechanic shop slash junkyard. And for some reason, Will instantly hates kids, because I guess he's old. Yeah, he's an old man in the 80s. He doesn't trust or like kids, because they are lazy, and they get in the way, and, yeah. <laughs> I, the, the kid's about to rebuild his car, and he's still calling him lazy. Right, exactly. <laughs> But he also says you just you know you can't polish that turd. But uh, it seems like Will likes Arnie later on because he, he gives him a job. He lets him yeah. work in the shop. He's and, just being a hard ass. Yeah. That's all. He's not as likable. This old man playing. Uh, he's not as likable as he is in Gremlins Two or Last Action Hero. But I do where like he him. plays the same character yeah. in all three films. Well, except he's an old <laughs> man that's like really nice. He knows. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But he's still cr- he's like curmudgeonly, but he's nice yeah. to the kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, when you find your role, stick with it. Yeah, stick with yeah. it. I fucking love him in Last Action Hero. <laughs> yeah. Or he's just like, gonna rip this ticket and it's magic and he's just so much fun. Yeah. And let's see, Dennis asks out, oh, Dennis gets some, uh, Dennis goes after Lee and Lee just is like, no, I already got a date. And later on we find out. That's it's because Arnie. Arnie, Arnie uh, gains some confidence when he's got the car and he's fixing it up and spending his time with the car. And we don't know if it's because you know, he's doing something on his own for the first time, or if he's, like, literally possessed. Later, when we see his black, sunken eyes, we realize he's possessed by yeah. the car. But, yeah, he's got this newfound confidence now. Well, and then somewhere in there, we find out that the the last owner of the car, which was the old man's brother, his daughter died in the car. Right, and this is that Stephen yeah. King horrifying story told. We yeah. saw it in... Uh, graveyard shift we saw it in salem's lot there's always a story told that's worse than what you're seeing on screen and this is it this is that moment yeah and then arnie gets that thing rebuilt it looks great he shows up at the football game with it which right when he pulls up and then he just like leans on his car and like dennis gets fucking smoked because he's distracted you know trying to catch a pass uh but we see arnie he comes up and he's like what's up Eh, sucks about your leg hey i gotta go try to get laid peace out (laughs) yeah he's cool kid arnie now he's got the car he's got the girl yeah and i like his line he's like you ever think about it man like part of being a parent is just trying to slowly kill your kids has it ever occurred to you that part of being a parent is trying to kill your kids See you around, pal. 
that now that feels like the most like john carpenter moment in yeah. that movie that's like a carpenter line he's <laughs> like that is absolutely ripped out of carpenter you know playbook there yeah and then we get uh, pretty much arnie is making out with lee in the car and lee is very uncomfortable because she just feels some kind of evil presence about the car the car is jealous and then that car tries to choke her to death. <laughs> and, and Arnie flips out on a guy trying to help her. <laughs> right. Get off her, man. Don't touch her. It's like, get off her, you old creep. And it's like, I'm just trying to save her life, you fucking douchebag. But I, I do, at this point, there is a lot of people mad at Arnie. Yes. But Arnie really hasn't done anything bad at this point. He's just coming into his own. And they're like mad at him for being cool. Yeah, he is a little cocky, though. I think yeah, it's but, the cockiness where he... And they, they liked who he was before. Well, yeah, now they can't shit on him. Yeah, I guess that's probably it. That's it's probably like, Everyone right. hates it when a nerd becomes cool. Yeah. But later on, he, he starts to really establish that he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> when, when the black sunken eyes happen, and it's like, oh, no, you're, you're fucked. Well, uh, the thing where I was like, okay, now he's starting to show it, is like when he's taking Lee back home and then he gets mad at her for being sexually frustrated. Yeah. Or that line comes out and I go, okay, there's Carpenter finally starting to like, at first I think he did it on purpose. He, he was just like, these people are mad at him because now he's cool and they can't, you know, just pile on him. And then they, he starts to like really cut in to Arnie's like persona, uh, with that line. And then him yelling at his mom and dad. Mm hmm. Uh, after I think uh, yeah, because the bullies then just destroy his car, take a shit on the fucking dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. <laughs> well, because they don't show it, right? No, they, they don't like, show it, but there's like he took a shit on the dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he gets he gets really pissed at his parents because they make him park the car at the garage. They won't let him keep it at their house. Right, and he's like, "Well, if y'all would have been able to keep it at the house, this fucking wouldn't have happened." And yeah, he's like, "Fuck you, mom." It's probably correct, but, but yeah, he's also probably right. Yeah, it's. But then uh, that's when you really start to see him change. Yeah, I mean, not only did they do it, you know physically with the eyes and the clothes and everything but now it's his personality yeah now he's becoming like aggro he's like aggressive now mm -hmm. about it he went from like cocky to like aggressive and uh oh he chokes his dad too yeah remember? he like the, the dad is like hey watch your mouth and he just like snaps on him yeah. like he's gonna fight him um yeah this is this is very well paced out i think the way this is handled yeah this movie's I, what was this like a hundred minutes uh 111 so it's almost two hours okay and it yeah. flies by yeah it's it's good pacing i mean that's what carpenter does he paces it with the music really well it's that's that helps it mm -hmm. that pulsing christine beat yeah is is quite wonderful if you play that throughout this podcast, they're actually more listenable. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. But don't. Make them suffer. <laughs> Christine and Arnie. Um, oh, wait. He tries to build Christine. And then the saxophone music starts to play like a, so kind of like a seductive. And he's like, show me. And, and Christine rebuilds herself. That's my favorite scene in the movie. Like, I love that. Like, when he just like, show me. It's because the music... It's because the editing of that scene is so well done. It's it. This is this is Carpenter flexing here. <laughs> this is him going like, yeah, I know how to make a fucking horror movie, and like, oh, 
It's so good. Well, it's kind of like, have you ever seen the movies where like two people are, are about to make love and they undress in front of each other where they're just like seductively looking at yeah. each other? Like this the, was like, like Chris, the, yeah. Like those Tony Scott, like uh, Top Gun like yes, sex yeah. scenes where like everything's blue and everybody's <laughs> like perfect and naked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this felt like Christine was putting back on her clothes though. Like, yeah. And he's just watching, getting off on it. Yeah. Uh, and then later on, we see Christine take out the uh, chubby bully. Yes. And that is my favorite scene in the movie. Well, I mean, it's iconic. It's, it's all it's, over all the marketing of the movie. <laughs> well, it's so tense. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's how you do um, a building up to a killing of a character. Like, there was part of me where I felt bad for the bully, and I shouldn't. But he is, you know, just an idiot dying. Yeah, he's just a kid still. Yeah. You're like, fuck, like, that's he, just a kid. That, he's like, just a 26-year-old kid in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Who can't graduate high school to save his life. But, yeah, he kind of reminds me of the doofus in Animal House. Yeah, that's what he looks like. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if he picked him because of that or something. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, he gets smashed right into the whatever he's in, like a little alley thing. Yeah, I don't... when, like, the car... When the car comes down the alley and it's like, fuck it, I don't care if I'm going to destroy my sides, I'm coming to kill yeah. you. It's so threatening. And I feel like that's the point at which like the movie stops being like cheesy killer car movie and is like, oh, fuck, this is like real deal threat here. <laughs> well, yeah, because it seems like all of that is pos- plausible. Other than, you know, a car being possessed, like he chases this dude down and right. smashes him with a car. Yeah. And we at that point, we don't know if Arnie's in it. Right. So it could be just the car doing all this. Exactly. We have no idea. But yeah, now like the threat is real. Oh, God. It's, the, the in-camera effects in this movie. Mwah. Wonderful. Oh, so good. Uh, Artie visits a uh, cool kid. <laughs> Artie visits Dennis, and he's just like, I'm totally a cool kid. And he's a dick. Yeah, he's like a dick to Dennis now. And For no like, reason. That's like, what's up, man? Like, And doesn't he leave him a giant book? There's something with a book, yeah. Yeah. There's something with a book in this scene. I don't remember how. That it goes, definitely but... feels like something Stephen King. Yeah. You know, he's just like, oh, you're you're on a, uh, hanging out in a hospital. Which, by the way, how much would that cost their parents? Jeez. Yeah, right. He was there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> feel sorry for their bills. Uh, and then eventually Arnie bumps into Detective. I don't know what the detective's name is. But it's Harry Dean fucking Stanton, and he's great. He, le- he, he, so a lot of these kids are, you know, like the beginning of their career and they're just, I would say just above TV movie sometimes. And then other times it seems like they really capture the moment, but he elevates this movie. Like when he's on screen with these kids, they get better. So what do you want? Huh? I really like this shade of red, Arnie. Didn't think they still made this anymore. Do they? They still make this shade. Well, they must. I mean, I bought it, didn't I? Where? Baker Auto out on Route 5, okay? You still got the receipt. Tossed it out. Mm. You know, it's funny, um, cigarette? No, thanks. Usually when somebody trashes a car, we get photographs. Oh, wait, wait, wait. They didn't really trash it, okay? Well, that's not what Lee said. As a matter of fact, she was so... Shaken up, giving me all the details, she broke down crying. I understand, uh, 
One of the perpetrators uh, defecated on the dashboard. Now, I would have thought you'd be madder in hell at that, and I would have thought you would have reported that. Ship wipes off. Moochie Welch kind of got wiped off, too, didn't he? I don't know. You don't know? No. Scout's honor? I'm not a scout. The kid was cut in half, Arnie. They had to scrape his legs up with a shovel. Well, isn't that what you're supposed to do with shit? Yeah, the, the acting between them is so good. And, I, I like, it's fun to watch him kind of spar with Keith Gordon a little bit when he's interrogating him. Yes. But I think it's more fun the kind of, like, odd couple duo of Dennis and him when they're, like, both confronting Arnie. Yeah, it's... it's I'm like when they're when he's on screen, everyone gets better. Yeah, yeah. It's like he they have to elevate their game, and it's really good scenes because when him and Arnie are just going back and forth, he's like, "Well, shit wipes off," and he's like, "Well, that's funny because your girlfriend she seemed he's she's not my girlfriend." Like they're just like back and forth. <laughs> yeah, and he knows that he has Arnie. Yeah, like Arnie, I know you're fucking lying. You can keep doing this. I just need to prove that you're lying. That's like all the underneath in this, between the lines. It's great. Harry Dean Stanton makes like sort of the choice, and it's not something he does in every movie. He makes like the choice to kind of do everything with a smirk in this movie, and it's kind of wonderful. Like he's like, no, okay, I'm I'm smarter than everyone else in this room right now. Like, and he does the whole performance kind of like a little arrogant, but like so likable. Yeah, Arnie, uh, after all this, tries to get Lee back. It doesn't work. Uh, and then Christine goes after the older bully and the kid from Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's all I know him as. His name is Rich, Stephen Tash. He's the kid that gets electrocuted. Yep. The cards. So, so the car goes after them. And this also great thing, great scene, because the car chases them down. They try to confront the car. Christine smashes their car and this kid into a gas station and it fucking explodes. And then the best part, the payoff, is getting to see the car on fire. Yeah. Just driving away like a badass. Like This car will get revenge no matter what. Oh, God damn it, this movie's so good. <laughs> and he runs down the switchblade bully that's like 40 years old. Yes. <laughs> Probably more closer to 35. Let's say 35. And this is like when it's revealed that like Arnie's in the car. Yeah. Because yes. you don't know for a while. And then like, yeah, he's there. And but, that's when you see the black sunken eyes too. And Arnie's like, yeah, he's like possessed. Yes. Uh, you have a feeling that he doesn't remember anything. Right. I mean, they kind of reveal it too later on. Because the car returns to Will's garage, just burnt to a crisp. And old man Will gets his shotgun and looks in the car, sees no one, and then Christine just crushes him. Mm-hmm. Because he's getting uh, getting a little too close here. Getting a little too curious. Because like, really, the old man doesn't do anything. Well, well he, he has he, a shotgun pointed yeah. at it. <laughs> but he, does, he just gets in and like looks around the car. Yeah. But Christine's but he, like, I know what you're going to do. So he senses you. that this yeah. car is evil. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I don't... Does Christine ever rebuild herself after this point? Well, yeah, it's back to it. I don't. We don't see that scene, but like it's yeah, back to normal know, yeah. when we see it again. Oh yeah, that's because Arnie comes back the next morning, 
because uh, he has a alibi of getting parts the night before, and he didn't bring them in. He's going to wait till morning because he was tired. And this is kind of even where Harry Dean Stanton's character is confused, like because it's shit. in one piece, yeah. But he's still he still has that smirk, like he's like, I know you're up to something. I you know may you may not have, yeah, yeah, you have something to do with this. Uh, it's really good. I, I just love every moment of him being on the screen. Uh, and then we let's see. Oh, that's right. Lee and Dennis meet, and they're talking about like what's up with Arnie and that car. And this is where Lee really tells him something's wrong with that car. It's alive. Yeah. And Dennis, it was kind of interesting because you think Dennis would be like, oh, you're crazy. What's wrong with you? Of course it's not alive. But they do. They plan to go see it in the garage and to eliminate the car. But first they have to, Dennis hangs out with Arnie. Was it New Year's Eve or something? I don't remember. I don't know. Anyway, it's where Dennis finally decides, okay, Arnie is gone. He's losing it. Yeah. Because when he's in the car with Dennis, Dennis does the exact same line. Or, I'm um, sorry, Arnie does the pussy line again. Yeah. Oh, man, there is nothing finer than being behind the wheel of your own car. Except maybe for pussy. But it's gross now. You yeah, liked him yeah. before, and now you're like, oh, you're a fucking skis. Well, it's like, the fu- it's like it's fully done. Yeah. He's fully changed. Lee and Dennis break into old man Will's garage, which is basically just... Everything's gone in it now. Right. Um, so you have this giant empty space, almost like a battlefield. And then they get into a bulldozer, and they plan on destroying Christine. But Christine surprises them first, and then tries to run down Lee. But Lee does some gymnastics to kind of get away. And uh, Dennis takes the bulldozer, kind of like moves the bulldozer over her to protect her from Christine. And Christine doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, Christine just keeps coming anyway. Yeah. It's great. This whole fight. Yeah, the bulldozer scene is fucking amazing. Uh, and then finally, the car crashes, and Arnie flies out. Because um, the bulldozer and Christine go face-to-face, probably about a good half football field away, and you see Arnie's face. Right. And that's when Dennis realizes, oh, fuck. Well, he realizes he's gone. Like, yeah. Arnie, the Arnie he knew is completely gone. But he smashes into another part of the building, and Arnie flies out of the window, is impaled by a shard of glass, and instead of, like, saying something where he's sorry or anything, he reaches over to Christine and rubs the logo of the Plymouth. I was like, damn. Damn. Yeah, he's he's gone up to the very last second. <sighs> Well, I mean, it's a beautiful car. <laughs> I mean, you're going to see plenty of Lees in your life, but how many times are you going to see a Plymouth Fury? In Christine. That's probably <laughs> the only time I'm going to see that yeah. car. <laughs> and then we basically have an aliens fight at the end. We have a bulldozer versus a car, and they fucking crush that car while rock and roll will never die is playing. Yeah, which is also fucking amazing. Love it. Way, way to use music, because... You know, this isn't like the Tarantino way to use music where you're enhancing this. It's coming from the car, but then it is also enhancing the scene. So this is genius. Oh, it's so good. And then the next morning we get Harry Dean Stanton and Dennis Lee standing in the, I don't know, dump. 
and then we see one last shot of the car being alive, possibly. Yeah, like the antenna moves. Yeah. Slightly. Just slightly. This is so much like an 80s thing to do. Yeah. You gotta get that one last little... I, I wouldn't even call it a scare. It's just something. It's it's the wink to the audience. Like, back in the back in the day, kids, when <laughs> movies used to do this, it didn't mean that there was going to be a sequel. They would just do this to fuck with the audience, and I loved every second of it because this wasn't setting anything up. This was just like... Christine's never going to go away. And that's the ending, you know? It's, it's great. It's great. This whole movie, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but I would say both of us very, very, very much recommend Christine. Yeah, it's just sort of like low-key, like we mentioned her at the top. It's just low-key a classic. Like, you don't bring it up with the bigs, but it is up there for sure. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's... Uh, you... you... Even if you didn't like this movie, you would have to love the in-camera effects. It's just beautiful. You gotta love how it's shot, how Carpenter decides to frame everything, the rock music. Like, there's so much to like here, even if you don't like the movie overall. Yeah, I'd mm. wholeheartedly recommend. And honestly, like, this is one, too, you could watch on VHS and DVD. Obviously, we want to recommend probably the Blu-ray to get the full Carpenter widescreen anamorphic effect but like it's not lost on the vhs at all no this is actually really good vhs uh, i could see it on my widescreen pretty damn good yeah it looks crispy <laughs> in the best way possible now some interesting behind the scenes stuff here do you know they wanted they offered kevin bacon i think the dentist role but he ended up not taking it because he went on to some movie called footloose oh, yeah, never never heard of it that worked out for him. Is that one of those stories about a kid saving a town through dance? I think it is. That's oh, the best kind of that's the best kind of dance saving movie. That is the the best kind of feed are loose. <laughs> there you go. Alexandria Paul, her uh, twin sister, actually stepped in for her a couple scenes on this. I found that just really funny. It's like, oh, hey, look, another girl that looks exactly like you. <laughs> Sweet. So if you're sick, we'll just put her in. So this was the second movie for Stephen King to be remade that had killer cars in it. What's that other one? Maximum Overdrive? Yeah. <laughs> and Trucks later? Yeah, Trucks. Which is not as good. No. <laughs> no. No one's going to argue for Trucks, but I can make an argument for Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> I can tell you I might be the only person on Earth to own a VHS of Trucks, but not the actual movie of Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> Maximum Overdrive is fucking hard to find on any format. I think the Blu-ray is coming out soon. Well, they, yeah, they're coming out with a special edition. But now. until that comes out, it's a fucking hard one to find. I have like a, I used to have an import Blu-ray of it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Maximum Overdrive is hard to find. Yep, I have never seen it in the wild. Man, if I ever did, though. Snag it. Yeah. All right, that pretty much ends all of our behind the scenes of this. I mean... I guess one other thing is, obviously, this was not written by uh, John Carpenter. And this started kind of like after Thing, because Thing was a financial failure. And a critical failure, too. And a critical failure. Nobody liked the Thing when it came out. Because they're stupid. Yes. And I can't wait. That we're going to talk about that in a second, actually. When we, because we're going to talk about Halloween in yes. a second. So uh, that would end it. But it, this started like a little bit... Like, cause he didn't do Starman, right? Or he didn't write Starman. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know that one. This movie started like the 
new uh, kind of era of his his you know his directing uh, credits where he did not write Christine, Starman, or Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. So he, he had to rebuild his credit. He was yeah he was basically after the thing was a failure and critically and financially he had to basically be a director for hire and then didn't get to write his own movies until prince of darkness and they live which i don't think he's actually credited as on either of them though he has an alias on both yeah quartermass um martin quartermass for prince of darkness and it's like frank armitage for uh yeah frank armitage for they live yeah Mm mm-hmm He's, yeah, he uses the fake names on there. It's not until later that he is the John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting when that happens to someone. But, you know, it must have been a tough pill for him to swallow because, I mean, he was the creator, or, you know, he's the main guy in Halloween to bring this to life. He created basically the template for slasher films. Yes. He reinvented the horror genre, basically. Yeah, so, I mean, after a while, they're like, hey, bud, we get it. You're really talented, but you're not making us enough money. So we gotta just, for hire. Yep. And he, but you know what? He fucking got for hire on Christine and Starman and Big Trouble in Little China, and they're all stone-cold classics. <laughs> yeah, Big Trouble Little China is just, oh, I've seen that so many times. I love that goofy, goofy fucking movie. I love it. What a, what a tone. Just like yeah. what a what a what a pacing tone and everything in that movie. Just like it's wonderful. I wish movies would take more chances like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they were trying to remake that for a while or do a sequel, soft reboot. It's still happening. Is it actually with happening? The Rock, yeah. Oh, that's right, The Rock. Yeah, we'll see about that one. No, I'll see it. <laughs> I'll complain about it the whole time and then I'll go see it, like I usually do. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go into the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we put something good or bad in it. We're just like Indy, hunting and putting something in the museum. Matt, what are you doing? What you putting? Show me. It's in there. It's the best scene in the movie, in my opinion. I fucking love it. Uh, The practical effects are amazing. Keith Gordon's performance is amazing there. The lighting, the way it's edited. This is how you do a horror movie scene. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ride the back on that. Uh, all the in-camera effects with the car rebuilding itself or just doing all the, it's It's wonderful. It's alive. That car is alive. You yeah. feel it. And it looks so real. It's so well done. Well, I, for uh, in the book, they made the car basically being driven by, I don't know, some kind of like zombie thing, whatever. And which I kind of wanted, I kind of would have liked to have seen that. Um, I do like how they brought the car alive and then Arnie's kind of driving it and the car's kind of like, we have no idea why the car's possessed. Right. But in the, the book, they explained it. So I, I understand why they went with it, but apparently the whole reason they wrote out the entity inside of it was because of American Werewolf in London. And that had already been done, the sidekick, the funny sidekick that was alive and you know, doing all that stuff. And Carpenter says that this film is a comedy to him. It, a I dark mean, comedy. It is a dark comedy. Though. So I think that's why it works so well. And I think that's why it's paced so well, but they wanted to stay, you know, steer clear of that. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I get it. Other than I kind of would have liked to see like a fucked up zombie ghost doing that. Right. 
But if they ever remake it, maybe they would go that route so that it's not a carbon copy. But they won't. They'll just yeah. do a carbon copy and not as good and have CGI car rebuild itself. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't remake this. Just let it go. It's You're not going to beat it. Just let it go. Uh, redo something else. <laughs> or make something new. <laughs> oh, that will never happen, Matt. Fascinating concept. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And not. I am not a person that is vehemently against remakes. I love a lot of remakes, but... Uh, you know, you could try something new every once in a while. Well, they did. You saw Skyscraper. That that wasn't like any other movie ever made in the 80s. <laughs> oh, God. Die Hard. <coughs> Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. I did see Skyscraper. It was pretty boring. It's, yeah, well, it's, it's kind of The Rock just doing what The Rock does. The Rock does scale like a 40-story building like in one fall swoop, which is pretty fucking hilarious, though. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard the movie is so ridiculous. It's pretty ridiculous. It's... But it's not like Rampage ridiculous, where it's like kind of awesome. It's more just like, this is ridiculous. Well, it's the most for China movie I've ever seen. Yes, for, for the Chinese audience. Other than The Great yes. Wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, that should end this portion of the episode. And now we're going to talk about Halloween from 2018. And we will spoil it. So if you want to go watch the movie, go ahead and pause right now. Uh, Come back. So rate and review us on iTunes. Listen to us, all that. You know how it works. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the end of that episode. But now for the kids who have seen it, let's talk. Let's do it. The bus crashed. Michael escaped. He's waited for this night. He's waited for me. I've been preparing for this for a long time. Can you close my closet? He's here. We have to hunt him down. He will be killed tonight. Happy Halloween, Michael. Rated R. Uh, we're not gonna like break down this movie and everything like that. Uh, you know who's in it. You've seen the trailers, even yeah. though I only saw the teaser trailer to this movie. I I did that on purpose. Anytime it would play in the theater, I would look at my phone or look down or something like that. Like I w- I didn't want to see the full trailer for this, mm-hmm. just because I was so excited for it and like I didn't want trailers give a lot of stuff away, and I just wanted to go and. Co- completely fresh i had seen the first teaser trailer yeah and it was fucking awesome and i was like yep sign me up i'm in i couldn't wait to see that one but then i was like i'm stopping after that yeah and getting into this film i really really liked it me too i just had a blast uh i i'm a fan of the series overall obviously there's some that are better than others uh there's some that are a lot better than others in the series but this is just a fun one i i for me you're never gonna beat the trilogy I love one, two, three. You're never going to beat them in my mind. But this is like up there. I put it with like H2O, which I really like as well. Yeah, I do like H2O too. Uh, I Some people look at me cross-eyed when I say that. And I was like, yeah, that seems like just a perfect slasher movie. Uh, it's just, it it's follows how, the beats. It's how you combine the Scream formula with the Halloween formula. It's, it's yeah. fun. It's just a good time. I really love that movie. And then this one just, yeah, I... Well, I rode on its wavelength, man. We were trying to do a 70s kind of thing. Uh, I think they got the right director to do it. David Gordon Green has done a lot of like 70s-ish dramas. So bringing him on to do this. Did he do Pineapple Express? Yeah, he also did. He did yeah. Pineapple Express, Your Highness, and The Sitter. 
in a row. But then, like, also then these, like, quiet indie dramas. So, like, he's just all over the map. But I think it was a really good directing choice for it. He gets the 70s aesthetic. But it's not, like, obnoxious either. It's not like, we're doing a 70s movie. Kind of like Rob Zombie's first Halloween was. Mm -hmm. It's not like that. But, like, watching this movie because it ignores all the other sequels it both makes me appreciate that this movie this current movie and those sequels that it's ignoring it's like ah it just makes me love the series it's a love letter to the series i feel like i thought this movie was really bold ignoring number two yeah because yeah none of the others have done that yet so. yeah this was incredible to, to actually have the courage and the confidence that this will work but, you know, when you're going into a Blumhouse movie, uh, you get a certain amount of money and you get, from what I understand, a lot of creative control. Yeah, you don't get a lot of money, but you get a lot of control. Yeah. <laughs> so they took it, they ran with it. And this is how you make a lower budget movie appear like it's a bigger budget. But also, like, the best service you could do to this Halloween series is making a low-budget movie. Yeah. Because the first one's scrappy, you know? Like, I don't need a $40 million, like, Halloween Resurrection, you know? Give me an $18 million scrappy. Well, I mean, Resurrection is easily the best. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, a high bar. Yes, <laughs> right. Uh, fucking movie. I hate it. Um, That's my. It is my least favorite in the series. It is the worst in the series. I'll watch any at, of the other ones, and I won't watch that one. I can't even laugh at that one. It's just no, it's embarrassing. It's just a bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like six is like kind of a bad movie, but like you you just kind of ride along on its like weird vibes. <laughs> like you're just like, okay, this is fucking weird, but I'm into it. Another good thing about this new Halloween is it's not convoluted at all. It's very simple. Laurie Strode is waiting for Michael Myers to get out. Michael Myers gets out. She has been preparing for this basically every day since Michael Myers was locked up. And she even taught her daughter. It has affected their relationship. She's had two divorces. She is preparing for war. Yeah. She's got a trap for Michael Myers. She even says at one time, I prayed that this day would happen so I could kill him. Yeah. Which is which is really fun to watch the character. I think I I think I prefer sort of like H two O Lori though, where she has like her shit together, and she's still like like you oh. kind of get to have your cake and eat it too with H two O. And then this one, it's more just like I've got to give up my life, but I'm gonna yeah. give it up so that I can get him. Which is also fun to watch. But I think I'm I'm leaning m more towards liking H two O Lori than this Lori. But nevertheless. That's apples and oranges, and I like both of them, so... <laughs> nah, I, give me a broken character. I like a broken character who has been so affected by this that it has become... I don't know the word for it, but she's just, like, it's a trickle-down effect. It has not only affected her, but it has grown out of her to... Affect her whole family. Poison her entire family and everyone around them. Because Michael Myers is pure fucking evil, and she knows it. And this whole town starts to pretend like he's not. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's been 40 years since the original. I, yeah, I don't, yeah. Th I think they're not pretending. They no. just did forget. Well, or no, it's like, been enough distance that they're like, eh. Well, you get the psychologists who come in and talk to her, uh, talk to Michael Myers, and they get no reaction from him. We're like, we're trying to learn. I think that's the whole thing, is this movie's wrapped around, sometimes it's just fucked up. 
There yeah. is no learning. Right. There's nothing to take away from this. It's just like all yeah, bad. There's there's been monsters throughout time, and you know, sometimes they're just fucking monsters. Yeah. And that that's the whole point of this. Now, is that completely true? I don't give a shit. It's, fun I, it's to a watch. movie. It, yeah. Let's let's have fun with this movie, and they do it. They uh now. The only little quibble I have with this movie is the doctor to me is odd. I like the doctor here, actually. I just don't get his motivation. Even though they, they spell it out for us, he just wants to feel what Michael feels when he kills someone. That rush. Yeah. But I don't know if Michael Myers feels the rush. It's just the doctor feeling it. But yeah, the doctor's never done it before. Michael's just got it in his blood already. You know, yeah. like he was just born bad or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know, but the Doctor's fun to kind of watch because he is so squirrely. I think that's why I like him, because you never really, even at the beginning, you don't, like, don't get like vibes that he's a bad guy, but you get vibes like, hmm, this guy's weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, he's studied under Loomis, and I love how Laurie Strode calls it out. They're like, oh, you're the new Loomis. Yeah. And I was like, thank you. That's how you do fan service. Like that's yeah. how you do it. Like you make you kind of make a joke of Just it. Just make bit. a joke of it because it is. As soon as I saw him, I go, oh, "Fuck, we got another Loomis." But it's but then she makes a joke of it, and it's kind of then all 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 right. You're like, "Okay, I'm okay. <laughs> all is forgiven." <laughs> yeah, uh, and there's there's just so much to like in this movie. And one of the things I thought was fantastic to watch was how they made the camera feel like it was you spying on all this happening there are several shots where it is behind something you know like behind a a picture or in tight spaces and then you're kind of like it's like you're a voyeur yeah it's like it's like the uh first movie the opening scene is michael's perspective this whole movie feels like it's michael's perspective Mm -hmm. which is fun it's just fun to go down that way they did a really good job creating atmosphere and tension. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I like the the 70s kind of feel about it. I liked I liked the, the girls, the, the three generations of Strodes. I liked all of them. It was really fun to see Judy Greer in this because I've seen her in so mm-hmm. many other movies as sort of a character actress. So it's fun to see her kind of get like a second build, you know, yes. part in this. And she's good. She's really good. And the the new young actress, whose name I don't even know, uh, is awesome. And I would like to see her carry on the franchise along with the other two. Well, we never actually get to see Michael's body, so... Yeah, you know there'll be more. There'll always be more. Yeah, I... I, I, There is something... I didn't like that. Undercutting about the fact... That, like, it's a really satisfying ending, but you know there's going to be a sequel. It's like, ah. No. It's satisfying ending, but, like, ah. Like, with H2O, it was pretty fucking definitive. Well, until... That head was off. Like, well, until yeah. Until they bullshit, like... Yeah. Pretend resurrection and... didn't happen, and, like, that's a pretty fucking satisfying ending. <laughs> yeah, it's really satisfying seeing Laurie Strode get revenge. Yes, either either in this movie or H2O, it works both times. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's good. So I, when I walked out of the theater, I, I smirked that they never showed the body, but at the same time I'm like, just uh, do it. Yeah, like kill him. Just kill him. Man, you can it, bring him back. Like, it doesn't I, I, matter, but I, just I thought, kill him. What I thought they were going to do is 
I was hoping the house would burn down the next morning. They would like the firemen be putting out and everything, and she just like walk straight down there and just unload every <laughs> bullet she had into his body <laughs> into the corpse. Yeah, and so shit, it would be like now you're fucking dead. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> but they're gonna make another. Yeah, it made it made a fuck ton of money, so we're gonna see another one. But as long as they sort of put the same amount of care into this one as you know in the into this obvious eventual next one i'm down keep them coming i'd say you know you can get if you can milk some satisfying stories out of this like this one i'll take it we'll see we'll see how it goes i mean maybe the next one we can have a white horse in it and his mom coming (laughs) no Uh, that movie though because it's so weird halloween 2 rob zombies halloween 2 is so much better though than Rob Zombie's original because at least it's fucking weird. I love how you're just out on that island, like just waving your flag, like I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I will wave the flag for Rob Zombie's Halloween too. I can't defend the first one, but I will. I am championing the complete oddity of uh, two. It's it's so different. But the last thing I think we should mention about this is the incredible score. Great, fantastic. I there's. I don't have anything really negative to say about this film. I have little nit, you know, like nitpicks, but honestly, I walked out of this theater in a good mood. I was like, yeah, got what I wanted. I got a Halloween movie. Yeah. And that's so that's okay. That's all I wanted, you know? Like it didn't have to I feel like some people were disappointed that it wasn't better than the first one. And I'm like, I don't fucking need it to be better than the first one. I just need it to be a good movie. And guess what? We got a good movie. Uh, it this, was better than four, five, six, and nine, so I'm happy. Yeah, not better than eight though. Halloween Resurrection, it's the king. <laughs> yeah, it's the greatest of all time. Uh, yeah, I've had some problems, and like I, I texted you this after we were talking about this. The sort of fan reaction is already annoying the shit out of me, though. To this, well, see, I'm not paying attention to it because I, I watched the run, and I want to hear like what yours, but because I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes, and I was like, basically both the audience and critics like it a lot. So I'm like, I know that's not a perfect thing, but Metacritic has it high. Yeah, no, and the the reviews are good. And there there are some, you know, people championing it. But what seemed to have happened with this movie, and this is just, you know, I follow a lot of people that write about movies, uh, that make movies, and, you know, a lot of people in the horror scene on social media, I'm friends with them in real life, and then there's a whole mess of them that I not friends with in real life and just internet friends with or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I follow all these people. And uh, obviously this coming out was a big event. Like Halloween was the horror event this week. Uh, And so when it, when it first premiered in the festival circuit, it premiered at Toronto and then played fantastic fest and a couple other festivals along the way, the response was almost like earth shattering. People were like, this is good. And then it seemed to come out... Well, and, the rubber band effect. And it was the, okay, people like this. I'm going to find everything to nitpick in this movie yeah. that I don't like. And then I'm going to enjoy the movie, but I'm going to say I didn't to, I don't know, sound better. Yeah, but there's, there's a lot of it. And I, I, I called yeah, it like this, the, the hive mind theory when I texted you about mm-hmm. it. Because now there is this whole ball of people that are reiterating the same nitpicky things about it that they heard secondhand from somebody else that they don't like about the movie and it's like guys 
a month ago you were in love with this movie. Now because people are in love with this movie, you've got to be the outcast and be like, oh, no, it was just meh. And it's like, no, you cannot like this movie. That's fine by me, but I can see through the shit. I know these are people that are liking the movie that are trying to find every way to sound cooler by saying that they don't like it. And there's a and like I said, it's a whole mess of them, and they're all repeating the same thing that one person said at the beginning, and now they're all saying the same thing. Well, I mean, I'm friends with a lot of those people, and I usually call them out on it. I'm like, yeah, you're just being an elitist. Yeah, and that's what I'm doing right now. I'm calling calling bullshit on this. Yes. Like, but, and but if, if you don't like it, and it's all on its own merits, I, I mean, I get it. Fine. Yeah, you cannot like this movie. It's fine. I, I am calling out the people where it is very obvious that the only reason you are saying you're not like it is because people have said that they do like it. <laughs> yes, and it's very yeah. frustrating. Uh, there, there are some of the reviews I've read from some, you know, writers at my level that are just like, you know, just doing it in the on their free time or whatever. Uh, it's it's lazy, guys. Don't like. I can see through your shit. Like, it's not it's not good to you know. You can not like the movie, but don't not like it because everybody else likes it. You well, know, I've got something that we can all agree on. I sat by three of the most annoying fucking people during this film, and it got to the point where I said something. And I, I, I can be a little bit of a bulldog during these movies. Uh, if I hear something, I'm usually the person saying it that's making everyone else uncomfortable. But at the same time, you feel better that someone said something. Yeah. First, this dad is three seats away from me with his two kids between them. He keeps getting on and up. He actually answered his fucking phone during the beginning of this movie, and I looked over, and he got up and he left. But he's talking the whole right, way down. The whole way and down. I'm like, this is... I cannot believe this. Then he comes back, and he is loud. He is just like like f- fucking a troll, yeah. you know, or an ogre. And he sits back down, and when he sits, it's like, boom! Yeah. And I'm like, okay. He's one of those people that has to make a scene that he is, you know, in the room. Yeah. So when Michael Myers starts to kill people after he escapes, he goes, okay, guys, call me when this shit's over. And he gets up and leaves. And I was like, (laughs) good, you're gone. Great. Then his fucking kid next to me gets a phone call, picks it up puts it underneath his hoodie and starts talking. And as soon as the movie got silent, I go, are you kidding me? And the kid just goes, I gotta go. <laughs> the kid doesn't even acknowledge me. Yeah. He just puts his phone back in there. And then 15 minutes later, his little brother, which is just copying his father and his son where they think their time is more precious than mine. Gets, it doesn't even turn off his ringer. Gets a text message. And I just go with my seat next to me, go. <laughs> and that kid puts his phone down. I was mad. Yeah. That pisses me off. If you do that around me, I will call you out. Yeah. Now, these are young kids. So they need, you know, someone to remind them not to be a dick. Yeah. But the dad... Ain't ever learning. No, that's the way he is now. He's just a piece of shit and is never going to change. But that's a testament to how good this movie was. Because when this movie started the whole revenge thing at the very end, those kids never got on their phone. And I almost forgot that all that happened until you started talking about the, 
this movie is not good enough. Yeah, it's not good enough. It's not the original. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I don't like it that much. It's I don't get why people are enjoying the film. Like, let, Laurie, let somebody let somebody like something if they like it. Shit. <laughs> would Laurie Strode actually know how to do all that because she is a woman? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's the next. That's the next <laughs> layer to that one. That's, oh, that's what I those already people heard actually it. think like yeah. After you told me what people were saying, I started to read some reviews, and one of them just was somewhere in that, and I'm like, oh, I hope your computer explodes. <laughs> all right, we're gonna wrap this up though. Uh, it's been fun talking Halloween. Yeah. And I hope we get another really good scary movie coming out at some time. I know there's a bunch of them in the spring. Well, we've got Suspiria and Overlord in a couple weeks. So we'll see how those go. That one's not popular, right? (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how those go. But yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening to us rant a little bit about uh, people's behavior during movies and people's afterthoughts of movies. Uh, But we really liked it. Go see it. If you are wanting to hear our opinion to decide if you want to see it. <laughs> uh, I, I would say see it. See you it. have to. Yeah. See it. And uh, it was fun shitting on elitist and uh, annoying moviegoers. Yes. Always. Always is. Pleasure doing business with you. We'll do it again soon. <laughs> All right. Be kind. Rewind. Hey, Toxic here. And Meridon, too. We're the hosts of the Overleague podcast. Are you a fan of Overwatch League or just a fan of Overwatch in general? Well, if you are, we break down matches and all other Overwatch happenings, and we won't judge your main. Tune in every other Tuesday to the Overleague on Geekscape wherever you get your podcasts.